0: Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Narratives and lies and more lies. International and national and regional and local. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. You know, the modern prototype of secondary schools in the United States of America, replete with fences, security fences, specialized security gates, emergency procedures galore, and also a so-called school resource officer. Actually, a trained, armed, experienced sheriff's deputy. Housing this facility, this institutional facility, during the day, for part of the day, Monday through Friday, for most of the year, three quarters of the year, Housing a population ranging from youngest age, perhaps less than 14, but definitely 14, on up through 18, perhaps 19. Again, not some one-room schoolhouse. God forbid those old throwbacks, you know. No, we are so modern, we are so advanced, we've come so far. So now we have these behemoth institutional settings for children, for young people, teenagers, tweeners, and teenagers to be sent to, to be educated, right, to be educated to be indoctrinated, to be filled with propaganda, to be corrupted, to be subverted, and to be housed safely within these gun-free environments, firearm-free environments, where they can be fish in a barrel for destroyers hell-bent on destroying them. Now, one narrative that we're continually, continually subjected to is this matter of that when there is an attempted mass murder, that it's always a deranged individual, it's a mentally unstable, mentally ill individual. It's never a destroyer. It's never a slaughterer. It's never a monster. It's always someone who's misunderstood or feels that they're misunderstood, who's been bullied or who hasn't been loved enough or who hasn't been appreciated enough, who doesn't have high enough self-esteem or whatever the case might be. Always. In the case of this attack, this latest attack, here in Florida, in Parkland, Florida at the aforementioned institution. This boy, the headlines, the one who committed it, this boy, I say boy because he's 19. So let's view him as a boy and not as a man. Okay? Not an adult, just a boy. He was an orphan. All the headlines said he was an orphan. Well, there are orphans and orphans. Actually, factually, you could say he was twice orphaned, he and his brother, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So these boys lost their parents, but they were adopted by a couple who are described by people as being outstanding, kind, loving, attentive Parents who indulged these boys, and you could say enabled them. Well, the husband died, leaving the care to the mother. And this mother continued to heap love and attention on these boys up until her death at the end of 2017 from pneumonia. All the while, these boys were engaging in all manner of behavior that by some would be referred to as sociopathic, antisocial behavior. Vicious behavior. The sheriff's department the police were summoned 23 times to this home in this very upscale neighborhood affluent neighborhood you know that term affluenza affluenza well here are these orphan boys maybe they are subject to affluenza because they grew up in They were raised in, schooled in, an affluent setting. But all the while that these boys were acting out and committing increasingly troubling acts, the parents and then the mother indulged them by showing them nothing but love, 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 compassion, encouragement. But you could say they were twice orphaned because, again, the husband of this couple died, and now the wife, who was their mother, died. So naturally, they would automatically go off the deep end and attempt to murder any and all peers that they could. It just stands to reason, of course they would do that, because that's just what people do. Well, if you look at the history of the United States of America, the history of the colonies, you will find time and time and time again, individuals, and going back throughout millennia, you'll find individuals who were orphaned at young ages and who never had the benefit of a second set of parents. You'll find orphans or fatherless children who became the great people, typically the great men, because... The women, the girls, more likely became wives and mothers, and outstanding mothers, and what have you. But time and again, you'll find this throughout the United States history and that of other nations is that from the humblest of beginnings and the most deprived of beginnings and of lives have come forth people who are exemplary. To blame what took place on the familial circumstances of Nicholas Cruz is missing it badly and yet again the stories were formulated that way that was the narrative it's not his fault it's society society did this to him till he got to the bursting point well he had a rifle, an AR-15, but he had other weapons, which have not been found, at least last I saw, as of today, had not been found, uncovered, handguns, rifles, other weapons. Then he also had these smoke bombs, smoke grenades, and so on and so forth. But he had obtained this AR rifle legally legally, at the age of 18, despite his background, despite having been expelled from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School because of his behavioral problems at the school. Not those outside of the school. No, they didn't take that into account. It was because of what he did at school. Despite that, he was able to obtain that rifle. Now, that's remarkable, because in the state of Washington, for instance, he wouldn't have been able to obtain a BB gun or a pellet gun until he was 18. And then you would think, well, you know, there is a background check with regard to a weapon of the likes of which he used. But at this one particular gun store in Florida, he was able to do that. He shouldn't have been able to do that, but he was able to do that. How was he able to slip through the safeguards? Well, the answer, of course, is to ban all AR-type rifles, which are known as, courtesy of the major media elites, known as assault rifles. But that is not what they are typically used for among citizenry. As far as in the military, they are used for making assaults. They are used for defending. They are used for rescuing and extracting captives and so on and so forth. It's a basic Battle rifle, a basic military weapon, military firearm. It's used here in the United States for sporting events, for three-gun matches, for all manner of other things. But they must be banned because this is such a dangerous weapon. Right, Yet over in England, over in Great Britain, jolly Great Britain, whom we should always pattern ourselves after, along with like-minded nations, where they banned all weaponry decades, multiple decades ago. Retaining only a minimal number of shotguns at specific clubs' ranges by stripping the citizenry of all firearms. Decades ago, amazingly enough, up to the present time, gangs composed of teenagers down to very young teenagers, tweeners, managed to obtain all manner of weapons, including machine guns, up to the present, in London, in the most heavily monitored, scrutinized, security-intensive city in the world, decades after all manner of firearms were eliminated, were confiscated from the citizenry basically with a gun to their head, namely if they did not turn in their weapons, their firearms, their guns, including twenty twos, including pellet guns, they would be prosecuted, sent to prison, fined, oh, minor amount of money, you know, equivalent to a quarter of a million dollars, U.S. back then, which would be more now, minor little things like that. Despite that, decade after decade after decade later, teenage thugs are always able to get very dangerous weapons over in Britain. But what we need to do here in the United States of America is eliminate. All of this particular set of firearm. Because that will make the problems go away. It's not a matter of keeping them out of the hands of destroyers like this. 19 years old, but he legally obtained it. At the youngest age possible in Florida, despite an unbelievably checkered past, filled with not just red flags, but flashing red signs. Danger, danger, danger. He was known not just at this school to its administrators, not just the sheriff's department, but he made... A reputation for himself that was a very, very troublesome one. And yet, had no problem obtaining that firearm. The problem wasn't the law or lack thereof. The problem was the enforcement. Plain and simple. But then we go to the school. We have this resource officer, school resource officer, trained, experienced. He's not some rookie, wet behind the ears, green. No. He was named school resource officer of the year back in 2014 for doing, oh, I don't know, Obviously, nothing that entailed bravery or courage. Absolutely not. But he was named School Resource Officer of the Year, which makes you wonder, what do these guys do? These guys and gals do. What is this great work that they do? That he was named School Resource Officer of the Year four years ago. And then managed to fail to do anything on this occasion. The students at this school, if you take a look at the list of the victims of this destroyer, this slaughterer, you will find 14-year-old after 14-year-old after 14-year-old. Yes, there also was a sprinkling of 15, 16, 17, probably 18, but I don't remember 18, and then year olds, and then a an older person here, an older person here, a teacher, a coach. But so many 14-year-olds among the dead. And then there are the wounded, the gravely wounded, whom he attempted to murder, and some of them may yet not survive. And those who survive terribly injured, scarred, maimed, so forth. Not to mention mentally, emotionally, perchance shattered by this monstrous evil massacre. This young man engaged in great premeditation, and used cunning guile to succeed in slaughtering these. But it shouldn't have been able to happen. You know, time and time again, when you look at back at these things, you will find that in spite of everything else, that there still, even at the last hour, there still was a chance to stop it, to end it, to keep it from happening. Going back to Columbine, There was a security officer, a deputy, in a vehicle, in the schoolyard, and he was armed. And Dylan and Klebold shot at him. And I wasn't there. I don't know what the circumstances exactly, precisely were. But I know he did not drive his vehicle at them to run them down. And as far as I recall, he didn't exchange fire with them, even though they fired at him. Opportunity missed to stop that massacre before they got into the school. Well, this school resource officer ...has resigned. He was put on suspension pending review. And... ...instead, he tendered his resignation... ...and it said he retired. The sheriff is Scott Israel... ...and he held a press conference... ...and he stated... That this officer, Deputy Scott Peterson of the Broward County Sheriff's Office, he was armed and stationed on the school's campus when Nicholas Cruz opened fire. In addition to that, he not only was on the school's campus and armed, but he was summoned before Nicholas Cruz got to that building. He was summoned to intervene. In other stories I've read, they stated that they didn't know if he was on campus. They didn't know if he was there because there was no sign of him. Well, those stories got it wrong. But after the dust settles, (laughs) instead of, In the immediate aftermath, after the dust settles, we find that Deputy Scott Peterson was armed and stationed on the school's campus. And Sheriff Israel said he was absolutely on campus throughout the entire event and he clearly knew a shooting was happening the sheriff said that he believed that peterson was right outside of the building for approximately 4 minutes while the shooting took place inside lasting about 6 minutes And he never entered, Scott Peterson, the deputy, never entered the building, never fired his weapon. And the sheriff stated that he himself was devastated upon learning of this. Well... In the aftermath, two other Broward County sheriffs, deputies, have been placed on restrictive duty. While there is an investigation as to whether they could have done more. Edward Eason and Guntas Treyes. Curiously, this deputy is now requesting and receiving police protection for he and his family. So that when reporters went to his his home, I believe it said Boynton Beach, home, they're met by six police officers... Manning the perimeter, keeping any security threats away from this security officer who allowed this massacre to take place on his watch and did not do anything to stop it. But he now is cowering, requiring the police department to protect him as there have been death threats. Well, this is a great use of taxpayer dollars. Now, we're going to protect this fellow who, while armed, while on duty, refused to do anything to protect the children at this high school who were being besieged and massacred. Is there something wrong with that picture? Well, in case you think this is like an anomaly, this is a so-called one-off slang vernacular, this is just, you know, something that hasn't happened before. Let's go back sometime. But before we go back too far, Let's just stop and think for a moment. Imagine that you yourself were seeking a position protecting others, whether those happened to be elderly or adults or young adults or children or whatever. But you were seeking an armed security Position to intervene to protect from violent attacks, which in this case, of course, this deputy was supposed to do. That's why he's being paid. That's why he's there. That's why we can feel safe about our children going to these monstrous, behemoth institutions. But imagine that you were seeking such a position, seeking a position with a sheriff's or police or other law enforcement agency. Especially as it pertains to security for schools, don't you think that you would have some Idea, some inkling about attacks, mass murders that have occurred elsewhere. Don't you think that you would run this through your mind consciously, unconsciously about what took place there and then and what needed to be done and what you would do under similar circumstances? Don't you? whether it happened to be at a very small country school in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or whether it happened to be in Littleton, Colorado at Columbine High School, or whether it happened somewhere else, middle school, elementary school, what have you. Well, I remember back to Columbine. Do you remember the film footage of the massacre at Columbine of the large contingent of police officers, of sheriff's deputies that responded very quickly and remained outside, even though they had flak vests, they had bulletproof so-called protective garb. And they had their AR rifles, which is perfectly okay for the militarized police state to have, mind you, but not the citizenry. And they cowered behind vehicles, and none went in. And it was a virtual army of militia-ish police and sheriff's deputies. SWAT force. And they didn't go in. (laughs) Well, before more on that, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And I'm sure there's plenty wrong with this program, thanks to me, to my failings. But whatever's right about it, whatever's good about it, is thanks to my Lord and Maker. Whatever's wrong about it, whatever's lacking, is due to me. But I remember those images clearly. And it was absolute, gross, mass cowardice. And the students came pouring out of the school, and these officers remained outside for the longest time. And they were protected. They had all of their protective gear. They had their weapons. They did not go in. So I temper my condemnation of this deputy and these other deputies in light of that. In light of that gross failure that I condemned (laughs) in radio programs way back in. But that does not absolve this deputy or these deputies of their failures. It does not. And how you could possibly, again, seek that type of position, enter that line of work, without having really done some thinking about that, and some would say soul-searching, and instead, when confronted with that, When given the opportunity, if you will, to do something about that, to engage the would-be murderer, mass murderer, and to save these young people, refrains from doing so. Now, our president, Donald Trump, he said the following quote, or rather, let me get to the quote. that he was either a, quote, coward, end quote, or, quote, didn't react properly under pressure, end quote. Well, but then it goes on to say, he didn't act, quote, certainly did a poor job, end quote. Certainly did a poor job. Do you, Are you really... Going to say something as harsh as that, Mr. President, I I just find that remarkable that our president goes on the record and says that this deputy certainly did a poor job. Certainly did a poor job. Well, (laughs) I... Uh, words fail, Uh, a poor job. If that was a poor job, what he did, then what would a bad job be? What would a terrible job be? That was a poor job allowing 17, 14-year-old, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds, and teachers, coach, to be slaughtered, to be murdered, and 14 others to still be hospitalized with grave wounds. He did a poor job. Hmm, Well, the shooting took place for approximately six minutes. The massacre. And he was there for at least four minutes and never went in and never fired his weapon. That was a poor job. What I find remarkable about this is that President Trump and previously presidential candidate Trump and prior to that, you know, business tycoon Trump, if he is anything, he is... Guilty of massive overstatement at all times. He makes the most remarkable, breathtaking, overwhelmingly over the top remarks. And here he says he certainly did a poor job. <laughs> here he's the master of understatement. Okay? And perhaps some of you picked up on the fact that the name of this deputy, Scott Peterson, is strangely familiar. Reminiscent of another Scott Peterson and of another Peterson, a Drew Peterson, vicious, ruthless, cunning, serial murderer policeman, Drew Peterson. Not to say that Petersons have a corner on the market on destroyers, but there have been some. And here, this Peterson, he didn't murder anybody. He simply permitted the murders to take place. He simply refused to act to try to stop them, to quell the violence end the violence, to save lives. And he wouldn't do it. He refused to do it. If we go back in history, back a ways, back to the so-called Civil War, the war between the states, back to the so-called Revolutionary War, the War for Independence from Great Britain, from servitude to Great Britain. You know, soldiers that turned their backs and fled. They were shot or they were hung, what have you. No, I'm not saying we should resort to something like that. But, That would make more sense than banning firearms. Because that would send a message. You know, this isn't the first time, again, the police that are best and brightest have failed. You know, following the September 11th, 2001 terror attacks, Islamic terror attacks, Islamist terrorist attacks islamo fascist terrorist attacks following that the police who acted admirably with such bravery and the firemen the first responders who showed such outstanding bravery at the world trade centers World Trade Center Towers. They were referred to as the best and the brightest by some. Understandably. And there was a great outpouring. Along with the patriotic fervor. There was a great outpouring. Of respect and admiration. For the police. Now. Of course, the police and sheriff's deputies and so forth have been all but under attack for the last few years. Absolute out-and-out attack. Murdered, assassinated, what have you. And the major media elites have whipped up a firestorm of ill will against them. And you could say they have blood on their hands for that. The major media elites. But simple fact of the matter is, wherever you look, whether it happens to be in the military, or whether it happens to be in law enforcement, or happens to be among educators, or politicians, or judges, or anywhere else, you can find good and honorable and exemplary individuals, and you can find evil ones. And in the middle, you can find corrupt and cowardly ones. And that's across the board. And it's time that we stopped imagining that the world is different than that. That simply is the way it is. There were so many red flags, so many flashing red signs that should have prevented this. Should have prevented this young man from ever managing to legally obtain that firearm. But of course, if he were in Britain, he could have obtained it illegally. And if we change our laws, he still could have obtained it illegally. If they can obtain them in Britain 30 years after, you know, after firearms are eliminated, I think he would have been able to obtain it here too. Yeah. But... to imagine that we can prevent these evils that we've brought upon ourselves, brought upon them to a very great extent by our societal evils, not that have caused this young man to act out and be this way, but that have brought all manner of guilt upon our society, upon ourselves, through our ungodliness, through our unrighteousness, through embracing evil. There's a direct cause and effect relationship. Through legalizing and rewarding and enabling and facilitating vicious, ruthless, murderous pornography, Induced abortion, infanticide, euthanasia of honest, decent, innocent individuals while destroyers are spared. To imagine that doesn't result in a tsunami of judgment precludes there being a God. And speaking of that, Texas. You know, Texas, where, oh, they're so keen on capital punishment and guns, right? Well, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, at the last hour, he reduced the death sentence of Thomas Whitaker. To life in prison without parole. Oh, what a compassionate, wonderful thing to do. This wonderful, wonderful Thomas Whitaker. Who plotted the murder of his father and mother and brother. Back in 2003. And who committed it with another man. His father survived despite having been shot in the chest. But now he's been spared. He will not be executed. This is not just a temporary stay of execution. This is permanent. So instead, he will remain in prison for the duration of his life, which may be, if this nation lasts that long, maybe 60 years. And he will remain in prison on the backs of the American people, with us paying for it. Meanwhile, we have judges on a regular basis issuing execution orders. For people, typically young people, typically young women, who are supposedly in vegetative states, who have not sufficiently recovered from attempted murder, from car crashes, from illness and other things, but who are not on life support, but who are being kept alive, if you will, only by the most basic basic treatment being fed being bathed and they are given death sentences by judges and they are starved and dehydrated to death with police officers or state troopers or deputies at the door to prevent any people from coming in and trying to administer food and water to them. It's happened over and over and over again for decades. But meanwhile, the most vicious, hateful, fiendish murderers and destroyers, let's put them in prison and keep them in prison for life, unless, of course, we parole them, or unless, of course, we accidentally release them because of prison overcrowding, Or unless, of course, we cut their time because of good behavior. Oh, yes, in life without parole. Well, that guarantees he will never get out, right? Unless, of course, they release him when he's 60 or 70 or whatever, because they say, well, he's up there in years. He hasn't done anything wrong while he's been in prison, and now he has health issues and the list just goes on and on and on what's going to happen to nicholas cruz i don't know don't know what his future holds but certainly odds are heavily in his favor That he will not be executed, they'll say, you know, this was due to mental issues, he's so young, tender age, so on and so forth. Despite how he plotted this massacre and executed it. Executed it the day after Valentine's Day a day which will stick with these young people for a very long time. I've mentioned before about following Columbine. There was a beautiful young woman who was 16 years old who had not been at Columbine the day of that mass murder. And she had a boyfriend who was 15 and who was working at a subway sandwich shop, very near to Columbine High School. And despite being as young as he was, the owner was so impressed with him, he allowed him to close up the restaurant. And they were there, it was either the night before Valentine's Day or it was the night of Valentine's Day, I believe the former. And person or persons came in and slaughtered them, these two young people. Yes, Valentine's Day, what a time. It will stick with these young people who survived, these who were gravely wounded, and will forever be marred. The goals, objectives, aspirations, ambitions of the evil are diametrically opposite of those of the good. You know, the evil, they lust to destroy, to conquer, to enslave, to destroy. And the good, those of God and of his Christ, just the opposite. But they act sacrificially to protect and to defend, unlike of course, what this deputy and these deputies did at this high school. Now, going for the gold, going for broke, I know Michaela Schifrin was stated, uh, quoted as stating, she was going for the gold. Well, it reminds me of that dilemma that rolls around every time there is an election, Just like clockwork. Do you hold out for a candidate that you actually believe in, someone, and who is seemingly not electable? And, of course, in the process, you waste your vote, you throw away your vote. Or do you compromise and vote for someone who is purportedly more electable or that has a realistic chance of being elected, but whom you have zero confidence in, whom you do not respect, admire, and so on and so forth? It's a great quandary, and it happens every election cycle. But see, there are consequences to having less than the best in office, less than good, godly, honorable, God-fearing, God-loving people in office. There are consequences. When you instead elevate the worst... To the highest levels, there are consequences for those lovers of Bill and Hill and so on and so forth and and Michelle. But I mentioned before about this Olympics, I mentioned I referred to this North Korean athlete as uh, from the People's Republic of China because the acronym or whatever you want to call it that they have there is PRK, even though North Korea is known as the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, while South Korea is known as the Republic of Korea, and ROK, and at the Olympics, they've got it ROC, but the Democratic People's Republic of Korea in North, and the Republic of Korea in the South, (laughs) names, you know, very similar, but such differences, such enormous differences. Evil versus good. The evil, hell-bent on destroying the good. And yet, here at the Olympics, and we've got the NBC team just praising them to the hilt, this matter of, we are one. We are one Korea. No, well, the only way it will be one Korea is if North Korea destroys the South. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.